Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Uh, if you're joining with us on campus and you don't have a copy of God's Word, I would encourage you to open up to page 579. 579, that's where we'll be. And, and we'll, I just want to share a little bit about where is our starting point when we start addressing the question of who am I? Why am I here? What purpose do I have? Uh, if there is a God, does God really care about me? Does God really love me? Does God really know me? And so I want Psalm 139 to be a help for you to go when you're struggling uh, with those questions. I want Psalm 139 to be where you go to help encourage someone else. And I can just imagine our youngest daughter is almost, almost seven. And I can't imagine an eight-year-old girl coming to a place of tremendous brokenness and hurt and unknown and scar, but yet it's there, it's in that place that the gospel of God's amazing grace comes in and shows a Savior who rescues. And so I just think about my own children. I have three daughters. How would I want someone to respond to them if they were experiencing this type of violence and abuse. And I think it's important for us that in order to rightly understand the value and the dignity of human life, we need to start with God and what God says about it. So real quickly, let's just run through one, uh, Psalm 139. There will be some points on the, on the screen, but don't feel the need to write those down. I just want you to absorb scripture for just a moment. Why is there great value in human life? Why is there great value in your life? Why is there great value in the lives of these young girls who, again, have, have had their innocence robbed from them and unfortunately never get that back on this side of heaven? Why is it that their lives matter? Well, one, we know that God created, we're created by the God who knows us, right? Who knows you. And I say the God because the world will say there are many gods, but listen, there is only one true God, and as you know him, as you experience him, you will know that he knows you more than anyone else. The psalmist writes, David writes, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. The very fact that the God who created you knows the very depths of your heart. He knows your behaviors. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. God knows your actions. He knows your motives behind those actions. He knows every word, even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. So the conversations you have with others, he knows the words. He knows the conversations you have with yourself. And through all that, I mean, the fact that God knows you is both comforting and convicting, right? There's nothing that's a secret. And yet, in the midst of all that, he loves us tremendously. Verse 5, you hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain it. The hemming in is a protection language. The, the fact that he has his hand on us is a, is a picture of a tremendous blessing. And it invokes worship. Even in the midst of bad things. We have a God who knows us, loves us, cares for us. We also know that we're created by the God who is with us. 
He's with you wherever you go. The psalmist David writes in verse 7 through 12, where? He says, where will I go from your spirit or where shall I free, flee from your presence? That's two rhetorical questions because the answer is nowhere. No matter where I go, you are there. How do we know? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. So talk about north. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. That's talking about the south. If I take the wings of the morning, that's talking about the east because the sun rises in the east, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. So think about where they are ge geographically. Uh, the Mediterranean Sea would be to the west, so north, south, east, and west. Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. So the God who created you is, where, is with you wherever you're at. Now, it's important to remind ourselves that we have a choice to run, don't we? Some of us are running right now. Some of us have been running for a long time. Some of us may run in the future. But here's what we need to understand about your God, my God, our Creator, that He is with us wherever we go. And by His gracious, mighty hand, He will intervene in your life and my life in such a way to draw us back to Himself. The scripture says in verse 11, If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light abound be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is light with you. When we think about darkness, the scripture uses darkness as a word that reflects sin, but it also uh, reflects a word, uh, uh, ideas and thoughts of despair and uh, depression, anxiety, fear, pain, hurtful moments in life. And it's in those moments that we know that God is with us. I think about these young girls in Quito, Ecuador. Do you believe that God is still with them? Do you believe that God is with you in the midst of great struggle and darkness? And because God knows us, because God is with us wherever we go, life, life has value. Life has purpose. We also know that we are created by the God who is all-powerful. The fact that God is all-powerful means that he has all authority. We know that he is all-powerful because he formed our bodies. Verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Every detail of your life and how you were created and by whom you were created is from God himself. He says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intrinsically woven in the depths of the earth. I love that phrase, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In God's eyes and with God's hands, you are a masterpiece. You are a work of his divine art. That means every single one of us Regardless how culture sees us, God the Creator sees you as wonderfully made. Charles Spurgeon says it is as if God painted the human body with a needle. The great detail in creating you by the powerful hand of God, the thread of His divine character revealed in you. You are one of a kind. Do you believe today that your value is based on what God says about you, not based on what culture says about you? 
the God who is all-powerful and has all authority ordained every day of your life. Verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. The very fact that God knows the number of your days and he knows why he created you, for what purpose. That means that we can live life now because we have a God who has ordained the days of our life. But what, what hinders us from living life for God's glory? And Boris hit on this. He spent many years of his life doing many, many things, great things. And yet, in the midst of that, there was still a longing and a hunger for God. I want to do the very thing that you've called me to. And think about the things that stop us from living the life that God desires for us today. Sometimes our past, right? For some of you, it's the guilt and shame of your past that holds you back. For some of you, it's the present circumstances that you're living in. I think about our young people, those going to college, those in high school, the way that we train our young people, unfortunately, says this, when you get here, then you do this. No. At blank check for our kids. If God has called you to this, then time is now. Don't wait, because guess what? The world will cloud you. Life will distract you. And we get this as adults, don't we? How many of us live with, well, when this happens, then I'll do this. When I get this bill paid off, then I'll serve God in this way. No, serve God now. If he, if he is making you sensitive to that, do it now. And what about the future what ifs, right? The future of fear. Well, what if I invest my life in this and then it changes? Listen, I would rather be 100% committed to what God is doing today in my life and change it six months from now than not be committed 100% today and lose out on what God wants for me today. And so know that you are powerfully made. We also know from this scripture, and this great, gives us great comfort, I am created by the God who will judge the wicked. This, this should free us today. When we know that we have a God who knows all things, is all-powerful, that he is with us wherever you go, that this God, our God, will judge the wicked. How do we know? Verse 19 through 22, the scripture says, Oh, that you would slay the wicked. Oh, God, O oh men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. He says, do I, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Now, we have to be careful here. Because it almost sounds like David has this vendetta against the evilness of the world. Like he's going to make all wrongs right. Anybody been like that before? Listen, that is an enslaving lifestyle. Because you will never make all wrongs right. This is prophetic language about the God who will judge all evil and wickedness. There is nothing that he does not see. There is nothing that will not be accounted for. And so if you are standing in Jesus Christ... Your judgment has already been made in Christ. You are forgiven. You are set free. The penalty, the power, and one day the presence of sin will be removed. But if you have failed to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, not because of what you do, but because of the simple grace of the gospel, then you will face the judgment of all wickedness in your life. 
And that leads us to the last truth that we see in our passage in verse 23 and 25, 24. I am created by the God who will lead the humble. Aren't you thankful? On one hand, he will judge the wicked. On the other hand, he will lead the humble. And I pray all of us will be in the category of being humble. The scripture says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any way in me. And then he says, And lead me in the way everlasting. Why is it that David needs God to search his heart? Is it because God lacks knowledge in that area? Absolutely not. We've already covered the fact that God knows everything. What we need is God's evaluation of ourselves, right? And again, sometimes our evaluation of self is not reality. And so we need God to show us the impurities in our life, the sin in our life. And we think about uh, this ministry, Dunamis Foundation, and uh, human trafficking, sex trafficking. Listen, there are other things that tie into that. Think about pornography for just a minute. That innocent thing that you think you're doing, and I say innocent because it's not, that is feeding, in many ways, the human trafficking movement that Dunamis Foundation is there to attack. And so that little thing that you think you're doing that nobody knows about, it's implanting, implanting a seed of wickedness in your heart and your mind, and that is what is leading to a lot of what is happening in the brokenness of our world. Now, you're not going to solve that issue by simply having some kind of protective measure on your laptop, computer, or your cell phone. I don't think that's bad, but that's not going to solve your issue. The only thing that will solve your issue is getting to the root of your problem. You have a gospel issue. And the only way that that problem will ever be satisfied, the solution is not found in behavioral modifications or having accountability partners, which again, I'm not saying those things are wrong. What I'm saying is the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that will heal you from the spiritual darkness that you are absorbing in this life. And so we need to turn to Jesus Christ. Turn to the Lord. He speaks of trying me, that's test me, that's language of a blacksmith purifying uh, metal with hot fire. He talks about uh, to know my thoughts. He talks about anything that is grievous in my life, anything that causes pain or evil or hurt. And the reality is your sin, my sin, doesn't just impact me. It impacts those around me. So we must confess. We must agree with what God says. If God says something is sin, guess what? It is sin. And we need to repent. We need to turn from our wicked ways and turn to our living Savior, Jesus Christ. And that way everlasting, that's the abundant eternal life that Jesus promises us in him. That we will have a life, not of blessing from this world, but blessing in knowing who we are in Christ. We will live the life that God has called us to live, knowing that he is with us wherever we are, that he knows all things, that he has all power, that yes, he will judge the wicked. That's not my job. That's not your job. And he will lead the humble. As we pray together, I'm going to have our worship team come up and lead us in our time of response. Lord, I just ask that you have used this time in your word to remind us of the preciousness of life. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to spend time in Psalm 139. There is no way that I did any justice to this passage at all this morning. But Lord, that you would impart those truths in our heart and our mind to know that we are created by the God who knows us, that is with us wherever we go, that has all power, that he and he alone will judge the wicked, and he and he alone will lead the humble. So, Lord, where we struggle with trusting you, 
Lord, let us be reminded through your word and through your grace of the very character of God. Lord, as we think about these young girls in uh, Ecuador, we think about the girls that are coming through Dunamis Foundation, we think about those who uh, Boris and his wife are serving. Lord, let us be reminded that, that that ministry is very much needed where we're at. And so, Lord, I pray that you minister to our hearts first. Lord, that you would remind us where there is sin against you, where there is evil thoughts against you. Lord, let our foundation, our biblical worldview of human life not be based on what culture thinks or what we even think, but by the very word of God. Thank you. Thank you, as Charles Spurgeon said, that you have painted us with the eye of the needle. Lord, thank you for knowing everything about us. Lord, as we humbly bow before you and humbly come to you this morning, Lord, I pray that we would respond in faith. Lord, that we would worship you in ways that enlighten our soul. Lord, that would bring light into darkness, peace into anxiety, power and courage in the places of great fear. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I, I just pray that God's word has spoken to you. I pray that uh, we will band together as brothers and sisters in Christ to join what God is doing in Ecuador and to be reminded that we have a God who loves us, cares for us, who will right all wrongs, who is the light in the midst of great darkness.